Welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, nihao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, saladi karab, guten tak, ciao, wee vakat bang, half a day, jai chinendra, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace how? Don't blame the Russians. Go vegan. Uh, from the left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Vivisection Prison Killitary Industrial Core Poor Nation, in the cheese-covered post-constitutional bankster bankrupt corruptocracy, democracy, criminocracy, unchallenged by media mediocrity, foodborne in the NSA NRA uh, USA. Home of Uncle Sam Manella, where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts, and the Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and uh, Happy New Year! Uh, best wishes for a happy, healthy, and peaceful 2017. Um, well, there there goes my first New Year's resolution to try to start the show on time, the live show, you know, 5 p.m. Mondays, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. My New Year's resolution was start on time. But the, the problem this week was that everything actually worked. So we, we, did, we don't know how to we don't know how to react to that. Plus, by the time all the dogs take us for walks and every, you know, you know how it is, okay? So, um, the show is from Northern California, so we actually are on hippie standard time. So, here we are, you know, it's about 5 o'clock, right? Or so. So, uh, it is the first show of the, of the new year. And again, uh, wishing you a happy 2017. Holy cow, 2017. This is my 33rd year as a vegan, so you, you know you can live at least that long. And, um, well, this month marks the 16th anniversary of this radio program, which uh, is, is amazing. I, I started this when I was a child, when, you know, when... When, when when John Podesta had eyes for me. Um, so 2017, and the clock is ticking, though. You know, if we don't all go vegan, you know, I mean, if we don't all go vegan sometime in the not-too-distant future, um, you know, that ball in Times Square, it's going to be used as a flotation device, okay? So... You know, we, we really need to get it together. I hope that 2017 is the year that vegans get over their shyness about asking others to go vegan. I mean, how thoughtless of us not to do so. Um, how arrogant, huh? Ah, they'll never go vegan, right? Um, but the planet actually depends on us to ask everyone to go vegan. In fact, to insist upon it. Um, as we are told by the world's top climate specialists, uh, a, a 50 to 85 percent population shift away from consuming so-called livestock products to vegan is the only solution for climate change. 
So our most important advocacy and activism for climate change is to get others to go vegan. And uh, knowing this, I mean, I still hear vegans say, oh, no, we, 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 have to, we have to chill the Arctic ice. You know, we, we have to sequester carbon um, because, well, I mean, look at how people look at you when you talk to them about going vegan. You know, they, they act like you're from another planet. You know, well, the problem is we don't have another planet. So either you're serious about addressing climate change and you go vegan or you're really not that serious about it. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, I want to save the planet and all, but why, give up my meat? Come on. Huh? Uh, can't I just blame it on, on some pipeline that hasn't been built yet? Huh? Uh, can I just sing and hold hands with Bill McKibben? And yet we are told we need this 50 to 85% population shift by 2020 or it will be too late. And we just hit 2017. And so I'm having this vision. You know, I do have a, uh, I, I, I do have my New Year's resolutions and my to-do list. And I really do hope that we will create a project very soon that will be Vegan Vision 2020, an environmental project of Go Vegan Radio. And perhaps you'll help me uh, distribute materials, get materials out to, to the Meteor and out to the college campi around the country. Uh, the, pr the plural of campus is campi, um, but uh, I might still need help getting the word out to college campuses around the country because, you know, here, get these around to all the campi. Okay, fine. Where do I go? Um, all the campuses, you know, this is like the the college students are inheriting the world. Can we, you know, we, we have to give them a world where, you know, the Times Square New Year's Eve ball is not used as a flotation device. So that's part of my, on my to-do list for 2017, Vegan Vision 2020. That, that vision is by 2020, we need 50 to 85% of the population to go vegan and uh, move away from meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. All, yeah. So, uh, and that's the only way to save the planet. It's the only way to save the planet. And, uh, you know, but everybody else has a different idea. Yeah. They want a carbon tax. They want a carbon tax. That'll do nothing. You see how much the uh, Paris Accord, the Paris Agreement does? Uh, because no, there's nothing enforceable. Nobody's obligated to do anything. So it's easy to promise or to, to want to do things, right? So you have that. Um, so people want an alternative energy, an alternative energy infrastructure, right? Are, are you going to get that from President Trump and uh, uh, the con Greece? You wouldn't get it from the Democrats anyway. Um, I, don't, I don't see Democrats fighting for um, the uh, $35 trillion that it would take for us to have an alternative energy infrastructure. And it'll take, uh, what, 20 years uh, to be able to implement it. So that, that'll mean the end of uh, 
the end of Trump's fifth term as president. Right? That's when we would, but, but we're not going to have the money. We don't have the time. And in the meantime, I see that uh, Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth sequel is to open the Sundance Film Festival. Now, I have people in the Go Vegan Radio audience who recognize that I am only one of I'm one of the only people on the planet to be recognizing animal agriculture as the number one cause of climate change, responsible for at least 51% of all greenhouse gas emissions, as we are told by the only, uh, the only uh, scientifically accepted assessment of the impact of animal agriculture on climate change, that being livestock and climate change, which was produced by Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang. So um, having come across this information and seeing that nobody is embracing the only solution, I thought maybe I would take it upon myself. And so uh, I talk about that quite regularly on this program and in my uh, posts in the uh, socialist media. And um, so people are actually lobbying um, me to attend the uh, Sundance Film Festival and and to be there when Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth sequel opens. You know, that's a week from this Thursday. And I'm told, and and so I would have to go to Utah. I'd have to, I I don't know. First of all, I'd have to have somebody pay for transportation from Oakland or San Francisco to is it Salt Lake City where you go? I mean, it's uh, Park City, Utah, where the Sundance Film Festival is. And so I'm told, uh, come there. We need you there. Somebody has to um, educate everyone who's going to be there uh, because everybody will be distracted, as usual, away from the solution. Uh, it's uh, an, an, an inconvenient truth for Al Gore, the actual solution, the, the vegan solution. It's an inconvenient truth for, for everyone. I don't imagine that the, uh, the menu at the Sundance Film Festival is uh, going to be vegan. So, so I have people asking me to go to Utah. Now, I thought they were my friends, but they're asking me to go to Utah. Not that, now, I mean, you know, Utah's wonderful, beautiful, but apparently it's cold if there's a, uh, you know, all that skiing going on there. I, it really doesn't interest me to go to someplace cold. I don't think I have a jacket with a zipper that works anymore. Um, and so, I mean, Daisy and I would have to go there, and I understand it would, it would be cold. And uh, my, my interest in skiing is uh, in, in negative numbers. I have no interest in being out in the cold, careening at some tree with no control of where my feet are going. So um, I would do this like as an active, like the, the reluctant but dedicated activist that I am. So in other words, if... Uh, I have no desire to go to the Sundance Film Festival, but I will to uh, attempt to educate people about veganism and the environment. Because what's happening there? Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth sequel to open Sundance. So that's what's opening the Sundance Film Festival. And that is when, uh, I believe it's a week from this Thursday. Um, Right? So... 
whatever date that is, the 19th, that's, that's when it is. Well, let's see how this is, uh, let's see how, uh, what attention this has gotten in any, in any media. For example, a Rolling Stone, okay. Um, so that's the headline of a Rolling Stone article, Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth sequel to Open Sundance. And it says, uh, now more than ever, we must rededicate ourselves to solving the climate crisis. To, to solving the climate crisis. But we have reason to be hopeful, former vice president says. Okay, so now more than ever, we must rededicate ourselves to solving the climate crisis. Uh, how? Uh, has Al been listening to the show? I know that Al used to listen to Jazzy 100 when I was the program director in Washington, D.C. Yep, uh, Grover Washington Jr., a great saxophone player, visited Al Gore, told me that Al Gore listens to the station, Jazzy 100. That reminds me also on my, uh, my New Year's uh, to-do list of resolutions. I want to start Radio Bobby. I want to get that music radio station online. Uh, so that we can all feel better about life, <laughs> you know, I, it will it, it it will add happiness to your life. I'm telling you that this music radio station that I have planned for you, Radio Bobby, but we'll we'll talk more about that. That's uh, another project of Go Vegan Radio. By the way, if uh, if you think that the world should have great music and the world should have Vegan Vision 2020, the environmental project. Um, you certainly can donate to Go Vegan Radio, and I promise I will not use any of that money to promote cage-free eggs. Um, it will all go toward the vegan cause. Um, what's it say in Rolling Stone here? It says, The sequel to Al Gore's Oscar-winning climate change documentary, An Inconvenient Truth, will open the Sundance Film Festival on January 19th, the former vice president announced on Friday is this article. This article was from uh, a few weeks ago in December. Okay. Um, what does it say here? It says, The documentary follows Gore as he continues his decades-long fight to build a more sustainable future for our planet. Variety reports, Following its Sundance premiere, the film, the title hasn't been announced yet, um, are they calling it the inconvenient, uh, in, inconvenient, an inconvenient truth, two, or are they calling it an inconvenient truth sequel? I don't know. That's what I thought I saw. But um, so it says, following its Sundance premiere, the film um, will be released to theaters later in 2017, uh, though a distribution deal uh, through a distribution deal with Paramount Pictures. So, quoting here, Now more than ever, we must rededicate ourselves to solving the climate crisis. So, Al, please finish the thought and say, that means everybody needs to listen to Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden to, to actually hear how to solve the climate crisis. Because I'm not hearing a solution from Al here um, in that statement. He continues, uh, gosh, See, this is like deja vu all over again because I guess uh, this was the subtitle up above. So Gore continues, but we have reason to be hopeful. The solutions to the crisis are at hand. 
I am deeply honored and grateful that Paramount Pictures and Participant Media have once again taken on the task of bringing the critical story of the climate crisis to the world. End quote. Al, what's the solution? Al, we're getting closer to solutions? Why? Are, are, are you giving people my website at, at Sundance there? Or will I be there in the cold? Maybe I can get a, zap, a, zi- a zipper on one of these jackets. I guess the, the jacket I have, you know, I was uh, given <laughs> an award, a Shining World Hero Award from the um, Supreme Master Qinghai International Association. And I tell you, rather than a plaque or a trophy or whatever, uh, they sent me, or it sent me, the association, it, uh, sent me this great jacket, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, with a warm lining, and uh, of course it says hero on the outside, so uh, when I walk around, it's a little embarrassing. I tell people it's, it's the name of the boat I work on. Uh, it's the name of the boat upon which I work, I tell them, so I don't end the sentence with a uh, preposition. So back to the Rolling Stone article here. It says, the sequel will screen as part of Sundance's new climate program. Wow, I need to be there for that. Uh, Sundance has a new cli- new climate program, uh, uh, which uh, revolves around a dozen environmentally focused feature films and shorts. I'm sure none of which will address veganism. Other documentaries in the program include... Uh, Chasing Coral, about the disappearing coral reefs. Um, Trophy, about big game hunting and conversation. uh, I'm sorry, and conservation. And Water and Power, a California heist, the documentary on the state's water barons. Um, Do you think the people at Sundance need to know that, uh, you know, most of the people there who continue to eat meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, um, they require, well, if I'm there, I'll, I'll be the one who requires 10,000 gallons of water to grow my food as a vegan. And then everybody else there uh, who are non-vegans, uh, you know, they will require 320,000 gallons of water. So I should go there just to, you know, say hi to everyone and say, hi, you know, I, I saved 310,000 gallons of water over your consumption this past year. Want to join me? Want to go vegan? Uh, what does it say here? Is this another quote from, uh, what's it say? It says, my own engagement on climate change began more than 40 years ago, and the urgency I felt then has only grown stronger given its very real and increasingly severe consequences, uh, end quote. Sundance founder Robert Redford said when the Sundance lineup was announced, if we're going to avoid the worst-case scenario, then we must act boldly and immediately, even in the face of indifference, apathy, and opposition, end quote. Now, eat your chicken dinner here at Sundance, right? Um, It didn't say that, but, you know, I mean... So Robert Redford has been interested in climate change for 40 years. Uh, Robert, what's the number one cause of climate change? What's the only solution? Uh, we're going to run films with Al Gore, and, and, and it's a film about, you know, it's Al Gore traveling all around the world 
discussing climate change. So basically, he's going to be wasting jet fuel. He's going to be causing climate change, talking about climate change, but never addressing the solution. So have I endeared myself now with the attendees of Sundance? Will they welcome me with open arms? Um, That's if somebody pays for my airfare there. I I was looking around. I don't know if I was checking the right sites or whatever, Googling, Googling uh, airfare to, it looks like Salt Lake City, you know, I don't know, it seems like it runs, what, about $350, $400, so, I don't know, I guess I, uh, I'll, I'll put it out there, um, you know, I guess it would make sense to leave next Wednesday, which would be the 18th, and stay there a couple of days, um, I would have to go with Daisy. I would have to uh, get a zipper on a jacket. I'm willing to do these things because uh, there's such a focus on climate change here at this. And um, so the debut of the new Al Gore movie is uh, a week from this Thursday. It's January 19th. I am willing to go to Utah. See what I'll see what I'll do to save the planet. Like other people say, well, go vegan. You know, I want to save the planet, but you know, give up my meat. And for me, it's like, <sighs> I want to save the planet, but you know, go to Utah, go go someplace cold. Ah, well. So, I'm willing to do it if people want to come up with transportation. I am told that there are vegans in the area who would uh, offer lodging, so I don't I don't think I would need that. I wonder if the Motel 6 is booked in Park City, Utah. How much could the Motel 6 in Park City be? It would be like $600 or something. Huh? But Motel 6 allows, uh, allows dogs, and um, actually Daisy is a service dog. It doesn't really matter. So, yeah, and I'd have to go someplace cold. Um, I look at live live uh, science. I see uh, a Delaware-sized iceberg is about to break off from Antarctica. Hmm. Maybe I should go to someplace cold. Uh, apparently, Antarctica isn't that cold place. Huh? <laughs> it's warming up. It says an icy thread measuring a mere 12 miles or 20 kilometers um, uh, long is all that's anchoring a massive iceberg the size of Delaware to its home in West Antarctica, climate scientists report. If the iceberg breaks away, an event known as calving, 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 C-A-L-V-I-N-G, the Larsen Sea ice shelf in uh, Antarctica will lose more than 10% of its area, which amounts to about 2,000 square miles or 5,000 square kilometers for those listening uh, in the Eurozone, uh, according to Project MIDS, MIDAS, an Antarctic, an Antarctic research project based in the United Kingdom. Uh, should, shouldn't they be in the Antarctic? Um, So it says, uh, MIDA's researchers noticed the rift in 2014 and have used satellite and other data to monitor it ever since. The rift um, 
made headlines late last year when NASA's Ice Bridge mission shaped a photo, no, snapped a photo showing uh, the uh, eerily immense crack, which measured 70 miles. Um, okay, so the thing about going vegan is even if, even if you... You, you don't have to believe in cli that climate change is happening, uh, even as this big uh, <laughs> this big iceberg is about to break off and probably melt and you know okay so will, will that make the ocean waters rise? I don't know. Is that Archimedes' principle? I'm trying to remember back you know when okay, so anyway, that's. Uh, that's that. It says, if it doesn't go in the next few months, I'll be amazed. MIDA's project leader, Adrian Luckman, a professor in the geography department at Swansea University in the United Kingdom, told BBC News. So once it breaks off, the iceberg isn't expected to raise sea levels, Luckman said. But if the shelf continues to fall apart... Then the glaciers that flow off the land might have an impact on sea levels, he told the BBC. Uh, estimates show that if all of the ice held back by the Larsen Sea ice shelf were to enter the sea, global oceans could rise by four inches. Again, probably uh, making that, uh, you know, the New Year's Eve uh, ball in Times Square. A flotation device um, to be used as a flotation device in the future, and uh, one more, one more bit of uh, climate news. And by the way, who else is covering climate change here? What is it? Okay, just checking the time here. Um, also from Live Science, uh, climate change could trigger collapse of major ocean current. So, oh, no, not just one more thing I wanted to talk about climate change. There, more than one thing. But, but anyway, so just from this, it says, uh, if, uh, it, it says, in the 2004 disaster film, The Day After Tomorrow, global warming leads to the failure of an enormous current in the Atlantic Ocean, triggering catastrophic natural disasters and establishing freezing conditions in North America and uh, Europe over a matter of weeks. The scenario might not be so far-fetched, researchers have found. The Atlantic Meridional, Meridional? Meridional? Uh, overturning circulation. So um, that's called the AMOC, the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation, AMOC, a deep sea system that circulates warm water. Up <laughs> there's my New York accent uh, messing things up here. A deep, which is put ours where they belong, take them out where they don't belong. Okay, right. So so this uh, AMOC. A deep-sea system that circulates warm water and helps to regulate Earth's climate is far less stable than scientists once thought. Isn't it terrible that the scientists never keep up with the thinking? It's always worse than they thought. 
Um, maybe we shouldn't wait for Vegan Vision 2020. Maybe it needs to be Vegan Vision 2018, 2017 and a half. Huh? It's always worse. Um, okay, so what am I talking about? I'm talking about this uh, AMOC, a deep sea system that circulates warm water and helps to regulate Earth's climate. It's uh, far less stable than scientists once thought, according to a new study. Um, under climate change pressures, uh, such as dramatic increases in atmospheric carbon dioxide, CO2, the AMOC, could even collapse entirely, resulting in a much colder northern hemisphere and uh, wetter tropical Atlantic region. So, uh, well, maybe, maybe I need to get that zipper on my jacket anyway, even if I don't go to Park City, Utah, uh, for the Sundance uh, Film Festival. Looks like uh, this could be a problem. Um, and uh, who else talks about climate change this much? You know, who, who else embraces it? What, what, what other form uh, of, uh, I mean, th you, get, you get your fake, fake news, climate change news right here at Go Vegan Radio. Is that not worth a donation to Go Vegan Radio? Really? Wh where do you hear this? Well, where will you hear this in, in, in the real fake news media? You know, uh, the uh, ABC, CNN, BC, BS, PBS, Fox censorship channel. You don't, you don't really get to hear this there, do you? No. Well, it's more like, uh, what is it? Uh, MSNBCNN. I mean, that's, that's turned out to be really the whew, fake news. Um, I don't think this is fake news in the Navy times. And again, as I say, it doesn't really matter whether you believe that climate change is happening or not. As an insurance policy, whether you believe it or not, why not just go vegan? Just go vegan. It, uh, nobody gets hurt. Nothing gets sacrificed. You, you, you'll improve your health maybe, right? So, I mean, there's nothing to lose by doing it. And then... All of these people, you know, uh, uh, people are saying, because I'm, you know, Al Gore, the inconvenient truth. The inconvenient truth is that he never exposes the number one cause of climate change. Perhaps he's a cattleman himself. Uh, and he doesn't expose uh, and promote the solution. So what good is it if somebody recognizes or, or, or you know, is, is accepts that climate change is happening? If they don't promote the solution, if they don't know the solution, if they don't embrace the solution. I mean, I was out to dinner and somebody was saying, well, it's, it's just great that Al Gore is doing this because it builds awareness about climate change. But, you know, it builds awareness and then people are going to be demanding a carbon tax. They're not going to be demanding the solution. So what's the point? You know, I, I'd rather have everybody deny climate change and go vegan, you know, just as an insurance policy, what's the difference? What difference does it make? I'm sounding like Hillary Clinton in front of a congressional committee. Um, you know, I mean, who cares if somebody takes it seriously or not? We have an insurance policy. That's called going vegan. 50 to 85% of us must do it by 2020. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Uh, we'll be drowning in the problem. Apparently, even though you know people mock climate change and there are all these deniers, and what was it last week or the prior week uh, we discussed the Nobel 
Ivor Yaver, the Nobel Prize winner, Ivor Yaver, um, who really knows nothing about climate change but decided to be a denier anyway. Um, it doesn't matter. Then if, if you don't know the solution, who, who cares if Bill McKibben is on Democracy Now! week after week? doesn't matter. He doesn't talk about the solution. Bill McKibben supports increased animal agriculture to address climate change. So he is like, whew, he's a climate disaster. Bill McKibben is a climate disaster. And Bill McKibben uh, says that you know, we, we, we have to promote more meat eating in developing countries because, I mean, who are we to deny people in developing countries the pleasure of, of eating meat, right? Um, and, and why are we to deny the planet the pleasure of climate change if McKibben uh, actually believes it's happening? You would think Bill McKibben would have studied climate, and, and Al Gore would have studied climate change enough to know what the number one cause is and to know what the solution is. So uh, here's a publication. I don't know if it prints fake news or not, like the Washington Post and New York Times do, but this is the Navy Times. Apparently the Navy is taking climate change seriously, even though our politicians don't, and who cares if they do, even though our corporate leaders don't, and who cares if they do. Um, so it says, rising oceans threaten to submerge 128 military bases, this report here, in the Navy Times. So... Um, this is, uh, I mean, climate change, if, you know, we, we, we think we're, you know, we're the military superpower. We, we can just keep using up those bombs. We, we run out of bombs. We use them up so quickly. We can keep bombing everybody around the world. We're the superpower, right? Um, but along comes climate change and Mother Nature, and Mother Nature says, you know, I'm not so happy with your, your meat, dairy, egg, and fish consumption. I'm, I'm not so happy with your bombing everyone around the world, your, your nuclear uh, power and your nuclear weapons, you know. So, you know, I think I'll just submerge 128 military bases just to teach you a lesson, okay? So here from the Navy Times, it says, Rising oceans will swallow parts of the world's biggest naval bases by the end of the century, according to experts who warn that it will take billions of dollars in upgrades to prepare these facilities. Why don't we just take those billions of dollars and uh, grow uh, fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, seeds, beans, and feed the world? What do we, what do we you know, drop rice and beans and vegetables on people instead of bombs, huh? Um, back to the Navy Times here. It says, Naval Station Norfolk in Virginia and 17 other U.S. military installations sitting on waterfront property are looking at hundreds of floods a year and in some cases could be mostly submerged by 2100, according to a new report from the Union of Concerned Scientists. And again, uh, there's, there's another group that doesn't want to recognize the cause uh, and the solution. <laughs> Union of, uh, you know, concerned scientists, we're, except, you know, we're still concerned about enjoying our meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. So there you have it. 
So it says, based on these calculations, the report says um, a, a, a three-foot sea level rise would threaten 128 U.S. military bases valued at roughly $100 billion. So, um, and as you recall, as I've quoted another study on this program, that if we don't do a 50 to 85 percent shift to veganism by 2020, 1,700 U.S. cities face submersion in the not-too-distant future. And that's not even 2,100. I'm seeing uh, by uh, 2050, 2060, you know? Well, we don't care. We won't be around by then, right? That'll just be our, our children and grandchildren. So have another plate of chicken wings. Uh, the Navy Times says, quote, nine of those bases are major hubs for the Navy. In addition to Norfolk, uh, flooding threatens Naval Station Mayport, Naval Submarine Base Kings Bay in Georgia, and the Naval Academy in Maryland, where 2003's Hurricane Isabel flooded classrooms, dormitories, and athletic facilities. Uh, keep practicing that breaststroke. Keep swimming. You're going to need it in the naval bases. Um, it says it's not just the Navy. Marine Corps Recruit Depot Paris Island is at risk of being completely underwater. Uh, all told, three Marine Corps installations, two joint bases, an Air Force base, and a Coast Guard station, uh, and a partridge in a pear tree are also at risk of daily flooding, the report said. Uh, those are the findings of a study released by the scientific nonprofit organization, which has published research into climate change, fuel efficiency standards, and the use of antibiotics on livestock. Um, some installations, including those in the Hampton Roads, Virginia area, already have measures in place to protect against storm surges, study authors told Navy Times. Uh, there are lots of things that can be done, and all of the things require quite a bit of resources, climate scientist Astrid uh, Calda said um, in a phone interview. The Defense Department is taking the research under advisement. Uh, quote, DOD values the UCS's... It's everything, everything's just three letters, right? E every, everything that you really can't trust. Um, but we never refer to Go Vegan Radio as GVR. No. Three letters. DOD values the UCS's insights into the impacts of climate change on military installations. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Eric Badger told the Navy Times, we welcome their report and its findings. We recognize climate change impacts and their potential threats represent one more risk that we must consider as we make decisions about our installation, installations, infrastructure, weapon systems, and most of all, our people. Uh, make sure those weapons are uh, waterproof. Huh? Okay, the study began as a look at the effects of heavy storms on coastal bases, but the scope expanded as they got deeper. We were surprised, uh, quote again, we were surprised at how much permanent inundation occurs, 
Caldas said. Originally, we were focusing on hurricane storm surge. When we decided to do tidal flooding, that's when it hit us. So is this hitting you yet? Um, that if, uh, how about if you live in a coastal area? It's not just going to be, uh, you know, military bases. Um, all right, anyway. It says the findings could also apply to military installations overseas, uh, in parts of Alaska, Pacific Islands. So, uh, I don't know. I guess if you're anti-military, maybe maybe you want to eat a double cheeseburger, huh? And, uh, you know, bring it on. Bring it on! Uh, so there you have it. Uh, once again... The consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, the number one cause of climate change. Worse, worse, worse than Al-Qaeda, right? Worse than Al-Qaeda and ISIS and, and anybody else we want to make up as, as an enemy. It's actually consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, our greatest, our greatest enemy. Our greatest enemy. Will we recognize it? Uh, we will if we continue listening to Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Anyway, so uh, let's see. We, uh, might be, we might be ready to take a break here. Um, please support us with a tax-deductible donation, 501c3, Go Vegan Radio. You can click Donate at GoVeganRadio.com. Okay, we continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter, at GoVeganRadio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and a couple of Bob Linden pages on Facebook. Um, to make sure that I do everything in triplicate and remain inefficient. Um, so, oh, so I was uh, talking to... Uh, been uh, during this break here. His suggestion was, as we talked about all those military bases that are going to be underwater because of climate change, Ben suggested that uh, the military, military personnel go vegan. That could be a big part of the solution since we have to have a 50 to 85 percent shift in population, and there are so many people in the military. So, um, so I, I, uh, now... I don't know if they'll be able to call it the mess hall anymore. I mean, considered the slop that the military is fed right now, I can see why it's called the mess hall. Uh, and that's very appetizing, right? I mean, like, uh, yeah, let, let's go to a restaurant called the mess. Yeah, okay, sounds good. Um, but it, but if it if the military were to go vegan, it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense to call it the mess hall anymore? Um, and so. All right, well, maybe in addition to now trying to get people to fund a trip for me to Park City, Utah for the premiere of the new Al Gore movie. So I need to go to Park City, Utah next Wednesday if people come up with airfare. Um, 
so that I can bring the vegan message to the Sundance Film Festival. But apparently now I need to raise money to go back to Washington, D.C. and make a presentation to President Trump about the military going vegan. Um, um, he's, he's probably working on a deal so that there'd be, uh, you know, Trump stakes in every mess hall. But, you know, maybe, maybe by appealing to his patriotism in, in saving all of these military bases. Again, you know, with people, it's like, oh, man, I, I want to save, you know, $100 billion in all of these military bases. But, man, go vegan? Really? Give up my meat? You want to save the bases or not? You want to save the planet or not? Huh? So, I don't know. So, uh, oh, in just a few minutes, we will hear from uh, commentary with Professor Gary Francione and Professor Anna Charlton as we have their commentary every week on this program. We are on every week. It's January 2017. This program started in January of 2001. We are now on for 16 years, and uh, the technology has certainly changed over that time. I used to actually have to go physically go to radio stations. Uh, that, on a uh, shoestring, grassroots, nonprofit budget, meant uh, that I'd be driving some clunker car that was donated, whose engine would explode just as I arrived at the station. So um, that's kind of the way it's been. I've had to go to radio stations and then to studios and then, you know, things moved more more onto the computer and computer equipment and, you know, so that Comrex that I had to have for the Genesis Communications Network and now we uh, have all these different computer programs floating around in our devices here. So, um, uh, have I asked you to make a tax-deductible donation to Go Vegan Radio uh, within the last 30 seconds? Uh, may I ask you? You can donate at GoVeganRadio.com. There's a donate button there. Or uh, I just renewed the P.O. Box again in San Francisco. So if you want to send a check, it's P.O. Box 475-414, San Francisco, California, 94147. My appreciation to all who have donated and expressed you know, their, their gratitude for this radio show. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm just venting. You know, I'm in my room venting. I'm so upset with everything in the world. Uh, and then I realize, wow, people are actually listening. I better watch what I say. So, and people, people say they love the show and they send money. Um, so uh, you don't have to love the show. Just please send money because you know, we want to keep things going. We're going to get Radio Bobby going, our music, uh, online music station. And we want to get Vegan Vision 2020, an environmental program to educate the masses about the vegan solution uh, for climate change, which happens to be the only solution, I am told, by the world's top climate specialists. So, And uh, by the way, if you think you have another solution other than a 50 to 85% population shift going vegan by 2020. Please tell me what that is. Um, I've had people with all sorts of ideas like, well, we, we build these huge fans in the Arctic, you know, and uh, yeah. I mean, 
there's one solution. Sorry. What? Give up my meat, dairy, fish, and eggs? Well, do you want to save the planet? Um, oh, we mourn the loss of Tillicum. Um, you know, first uh, uh, death of someone well-known in 2017, Tillicum, the orca who was the subject of the Blackfish documentary. Uh, Tillicum has died at SeaWorld in Orlando. Um, did he leave a suicide note? Uh, because whew, I'm sure that was what was going on in his mind over the years. How do I get out of here? Uh, his age was estimated to be 36. He was imprisoned by SeaWorld since he was 11. So, um, you know that uh, orcas in, in the wild, in the oceans, if we haven't totally polluted the oceans with our naval military waste, um, orcas can live to be 100. So, anyway, his age was estimated to be 36. He was a prisoner since age 11. Do the math. Stuyvesant High School math says 25 years in prison for doing nothing. Um, Tillicum was responsible for three human deaths, um, including uh, that of uh, trainer Don Brancho. Um, yet, of course, he was the victim. He was the victim. You know, we, we do mourn his death, which is, uh, again, for, for animals in captivity, but the only way to escape. People were sending around uh, pictures of uh, pigs who were caught in floods, who were about to drown. You know, it's like, phew. unfortunately, the, you know, the best day of their lives, probably. So... So Tillicum escapes and uh, escapes that horrible ca ca captivity, that horrible captivity, you know, all for a few human laughs. You know what I mean? Just, just a few guffaws. Look, oh, you know, humans really, uh, really shouldn't be using animals for any purpose, really, you know. Food, clothing, experimentation, or, or, or laughs. Why are we using animals? What right do we have? Oh, human supremacy. I forgot. Human privilege. That's right. We want a few laughs. Capture an orca. Keep him imprisoned for 25 years. Animals don't belong in entertainment. Huh? I wonder how many people who are mourning uh, Tillicum's death eat fish. I mean, uh, the plight of Tillicum is a dramatic reminder of how horrible it is to imprison you know, animals anywhere, on a farm, you know, or in a toilet like SeaWorld. Uh, and, you know, a toilet like SeaWorld, what is a toilet like SeaWorld? I guess the Miami Seaquarium is a toilet like SeaWorld. That's where uh, Lolita is in prison. Lolita has been there forever, too. That she's there for 46 years. 46 years in prison, Lolita, at the Miami Seaquarium. 
She was captured at the age of four. Huh. So she's in a tank uh, that's just four times longer than her body is. She's in water 20 feet deep. Uh, and all the protests over the years, huh? all the protests result in nothing. Why is that? You know? And all those protests against SeaWorld. And, uh, well, when it comes to SeaWorld, you know, SeaWorld actually sank so low, uh, really, its attendance sank so low. Its stock prices sank so low. It was so desperate that it uh, it qualified for a public relations makeover from the animal betrayal specialists at the Humane Society of the United States. You know, I mean, remember last May and June in his blog or article or whatever he was spewing, whatever propaganda uh, HSUS chief executing officer Wayne Pacelli was spewing. He was celebrating, uh, you know, uh, SeaWorld. He was celebrating what he called, well, the headline was Big Changes at SeaWorld. Big Changes at SeaWorld, huh? Wow. That's exciting, right? So uh, what happened? Well, uh, in a partnership with the Humane Society of the United States, SeaWorld claimed it will no longer breed orcas. But it will not release the orcas currently imprisoned. Pacelli is so excited about this. He said, quote, Well, because orcas generally live no more than 35 years in captivity, by 2050, orcas at SeaWorld likely will be a thing of the past. End quote. So, yep. Good old SeaWorld there, you know, they, they live, you know, usually no more than 35 years in captivity. They can live to be 100, but... And uh, by 2050, orcas at SeaWorld, as Pacelli says, likely will be a thing of the past. I think the problem with Pacelli is that he views orcas as things, that he views animals as things, uh, or else uh, he wouldn't be so excited about this. He wouldn't be so excited, you know. So, I mean, according to HSUS, SeaWorld, SeaWorld is now the good guys, you know, for something that may happen 33 years from now. 33 years from now, huh? Gee, I'll, I'll remember to check in on that when I'm 99 years old, huh? Let's see. What does that mean? That, that means, oh, I, I will have been vegan for 66 years at that time when when SeaWorld uh, breaks or makes that pro <laughs> that promise, uh, I don't know. Holy cow! Um, so uh, you know, and and I thought HSUS, you know, was uh, was really patient with McDonald's, right? HSUS uh, is is really excited about McDonald's for promising to use cruel, torturous, murderous, cage-free eggs in a decade. Come on, Wayne, can't, can't you get something more immediate out of SeaWorld? I mean, 2050, with McDonald's, you're only waiting, a, you know, we're only waiting a decade for nothing good to happen. Uh, I mean, come on, can't you, can't you come up with something, come on, Wayne, something more immediate? 
Uh, oh, all right, let's look later in the article here. Oh, Pacelli says, quote, and SeaWorld will switch to serving its 23 million annual visitors cage-free eggs, gestation crate-free pork, more vegetarian options, and sustainable seafood. All right, okay. Well, ah, thought, thought you were leaving us without a reason to celebrate there, huh? Wow. Is Pacelli delusional or what? Maybe it's that he sees animals as things. But anyway, the concept of sustainable seafood is a complete delusion. Um, and there's P- Pacelli, actually a pitchman for sustainable seafood. Huh? And he's marketing it to 23 million people. Of course, once those 23 million people order sustainable seafood at SeaWorld, then of course it's no longer sustainable. 23 million orders, sorry. All seafood on the endangered species list. And why is Pacelli calling the, the living beings of the ocean seafood? Kind of the same as calling them things, right? Huh? Kind of uh, reinforces something that's not quite right here, huh? Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe he, he... Does he want us to start calling cows, pigs, and chickens uh, land food? So, I don't know. If uh, if you care about orcas, uh, if you care about any animals, right? You know, you really do have to go vegan. There are so many threats to the orcas. There are the food shortages that orcas have in the wild, which is uh, depletion of their food due to Pacelli selling it at SeaWorld, huh? You know, depletion of, of food due to fishing. That threatens orcas, fish eater, person, if you are one. Um, habitat, habitat degradation, of course, there uh, threatens uh, orcas. Uh, interaction with fishing gear. Sustainable seafood. Interaction with fishing gear. So, you know, if you're, if you're eating fish, your fish was caught with fishing gear. Um, and then there are the noise disturbances uh, from uh, uh, commercial operations and the military, the Navy, you know, noise disturbances. Those threaten uh, orcas also. You know that humans kill, what, about 100 million tons of fish every year? 100 million tons. Yeah. Uh, 100 billion sea creatures are farmed for food every year. Everyone is an individual. Everyone is an individual. Unfortunately, you know, they didn't have names like Tilikum. They didn't have names, but they all could have names. Uh, I don't know. How, how can you have sympathy for Tilikum and not be vegan? Huh? I mean, aside from eating uh, creatures from the sea, uh, the one, uh, the the things that Wayne Pacelli calls seafood, huh? You know, half the catch, half the ocean catch is fed to, uh, well, you know, land food animals. So, if you are eating you know, cows and pigs and chickens, and what a mess! What a mess humans have created! Oh. Do we have a need to go vegan? I, d- I do believe we we do. Um, and, you know, 
There's access to great vegan food everywhere. There are great vegan restaurants everywhere. Um, and uh, in particular, if you're in the Bay Area, South Bay, San Jose area, one of the best in the world, Vegetarian House. It's a 100% vegan restaurant, Vegetarian House, 520 East Santa Clara Street. Um, and uh, you know, I think it, think it was interesting that Pacelli was, was all thrilled about there being cage-free eggs at SeaWorld and crate-free pork and uh, sustainable sea, seafood, delusional sustainable seafood. And he also said there would be more veg vegetarian options. Um, you know, he, he couldn't have said vegan there, right? He, he couldn't have said vegan um, because, you know, with time, the word vegetarian has often come to mean e eat eggs, eat dairy. Some people think that they're vegetarians. They eat chicken and they eat fish, and that's just not the case. Well, you know, vegetarian should actually mean vegan, and it does mean vegan at Vegetarian House. It's a 100% vegan restaurant, organic, non-GMO. The food is fantastic. Um, you can see the menu at vegetarianhouse.us. Vegetarian House has been a supporter of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden year after year after year, helping to make this program possible. Um, and uh, I would say... Check it out. Th there's a dish there called Ocean Basket, okay? Uh, anybody in the Bay a Area, you, you know, you, you, you're, who still eats uh, seafood, quotation marks in the air, seafood, which is probably contaminated, has radioactive contamination probably from Fukushima. So I say go to Vegetarian House and get the Ocean Basket and all, you know, your cravings will be satisfied. You know, with the tartar sauce and all. It's really quite delicious, actually. And Vegetarian House Caters. Um, if you're in the Bay Area, you have an event coming up, a business event, a social event, you're getting married, and the food has to be great. Uh, and the food has to be, you know, the kind of food that will save the planet from climate change. Then uh, check out Vegetarian House. That's vegetarianhouse.com. U.S. Okay, well, I guess what it's time to, uh, okay, I know what it's time to do. It's time to get ready to talk to Professor Francione, so uh, let us do that. Um, again, have I mentioned at all on this program uh, what a great idea it would be to make a donation to Go Vegan Radio? We promise never to promote cage-free eggs. Um, the Humane Society of the United States, have I mentioned it at all during this program? It just received $500,000 from the Open Philanthropy Project to promote cage-free eggs. And it's doing a good job. It'll, it'll sell a lot of those horrific uh, horrific eggs at uh, SeaWorld, right? So there, I guess uh, that $500,000 is, is going a long way, and then... A million dollars went to Mercy for Animals to promote cage-free eggs. A million dollars to the Humane League to promote cage-free eggs. See, all of this money going to these groups uh, is diverted away from the vegan cause. If you would like to donate to the vegan cause, find Donate at GoVeganRadio.com.
It's Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter at Go Vegan Radio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And there are two Bob Linden pages there also. Uh, and uh, I'll put to good use for the thunderclap promotion last week. Oh, I did want to mention uh, Evolution Dog and Cat Food, Evolution. Uh, Daisy loves it. Evolution supports the program. And, uh, of course, we want everybody in the family to go vegan, dogs and cats too. So go to PetFoodShop.com, PetFoodShop.com. Daisy just loves Evolution. Uh, I also want to thank the Stanford Inn, the one and only vegan eco-resort in North America, on the beautiful Mendocino coast of California. Go to StanfordInn.com, and uh, uh, the Stanford Inn has the amazing Ravens Restaurant, vegan restaurant there. Uh, There's a book out from the uh, owners of the Stanford Inn, Jeff and Joan Stanford, which is Dining at the Ravens, with a lot of great vegan recipes in that. Um, so the Stanford Inn, the only vegan eco-resort. Uh, check it out at StanfordInn.com. You can see the rooms. Companion animals are welcome. Um, and uh, also thanks to uh, HealthAid Kombucha. HealthAid is delicious, organic, and uh, it was uh, it was. My, my, my drink of choice uh, to uh, toast the new year. So I had the, uh, had the Pink Lady Apple Health Aid Kombucha, very delicious beverage. That was my, my bubbly to bring in the new year. Happy New Year, Professor Gary Francione. How are you? Well, Happy New Year, Bob. I'm fine, thank you. And, uh, and you're doing and, well? Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, have my little resolutions and things going on, little to-do lists. So I have things going on there. I have, have people who are trying to get me to, they want me to go to uh, Park City, Utah for the Sundance Film Festival because Al Gore is, uh, has the debut of his new Inconvenient Truth sequel. And apparently nobody there will be talking about the one and only uh, solution that climate specialists uh, tell us will save the planet and so people are trying to coerce me well they they'd have to pay for my airfare and uh i don't think i have i don't have a winter coat with a zipper i don't know park city utah but anyway so we'll we'll see how that goes what are you up to oh nothing much tomorrow my semester starts so i i'm getting ready for uh i think this is let's see this is 2017 so i believe this is my Oh my God! Eighty-four, ninety-four, two thousand four, two thousand fourteen. My thirty-third year as a professor, and um, so I'm wow. getting ready for my. I'm getting ready for that, and uh, but other than that, uh, not not a great deal. I can tell you that uh, uh, animal rights, the abolitionist approach, the book that Anna and I wrote in two thousand fifteen, last year, two years, well, I guess two years ago, um, is being translated into Turkish. Um, and into French, we've just um, we've just got confirmation of that. And Eat Like You Care is going to be done in Swedish, which I think make it the twelfth language. I'm not sure, uh, but it, I, I believe that it's the twelfth language. And the abolitionist vegan movement is taking off, and there's no uh, there's no doubt about that. It is just it's wonderful to see. What is what is interesting is that. Um, we we have the we have the uh, 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 problem 
every single day. I have this Facebook page, Gary Francie on the abolitionist approach to animal rights. We've got almost 80,000 people on it. And, you know, I, I made the t- decision some years ago that it was worth spending time exchanging, you know, talking with people. We started the page originally for people who were who wanted to do abolitionist veganism and felt totally isolated because the 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 mainstream movement was so opposed to veganism and rejected it as as a um, as a moral baseline. And so the page was originally started as a sort of a place where people could come because the the the, the internet was just so full of all of this, you know, this this um, welfareist veganism. You know, veganism is a way of reducing suffering along with cage-free eggs and crate-free pork. So as long as you're doing something, it's just all wonderful. And to insist on veganism as a moral baseline is divisive and judgmental and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, people have to deal with that all over the place on the internet. So we thought we would have this spot where people would come and, 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 you know, learn more about, uh, vegan advocacy. And, um, and what, what we, what we've been finding is um, is that we get a lot of people who come onto the page and you know just just really have never thought about this stuff before and they're just sort of amazed that anybody would suggest that single issue campaigns don't work or that welfare reforms don't work and it's it's really interesting the the, the mainstream movement has done a really great job of brainwashing people into believing things for which <laughs> to believing things that are morally obscene and as a practical matter, completely ridiculous. And, you know, whoever, I mean, how could anyone ever think that by making exploitation supposedly more humane, because it, it, it's, it, it doesn't, the, the changes don't amount to very much anyway, but, but how, how, why would anybody think that making animal exploitation more humane is, is going to do anything but make people feel more comfortable about animal exploitation. But, you know, but, but people are really brainwashed and they come onto the page and, you know, many of them, we just have to ban because they get abusive. You know, they come on and they disagree and we say, okay, fine, give us some arguments. What about this? What about that? They can't deal with it. They get, you know, they can't deal with a rational argument. They get really upset. They get abusive. We have to ban them. But a lot of people show up and, you know, engage. And it's just interesting to me because a lot of the folks who show up are really bright people, but they're really, really brainwashed by these animal welfare organizations. It's just amazing. You know, they, they just can't get their heads around the idea that, you know, they really believe if you make exploitation more humane, that's going to that's going to eventually result in the end of exploitation. I just don't understand but, it. But, I, it's, but it's still exploitation. See, that word exploitation starts off being really bad right from the start. So, well, that's, so that's hum, true. Humane that's true. exploitation. I mean, you know. Well, that's true. That's true. That? that's true. But that only that argument only holds if you care about morality. And see, my view is, is that even if you don't care about moral, even even if your view is, look, you know, I don't really care about the moral you know, yeah, I may be advocating something which is immoral, but it's effective. See, this is the this is the new the the new argument. Um, the the welfare is long ago, well, not long ago, but I don't know, two three years ago, they they finally got clear that um, we were winning the moral argument. They 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 began to understand that we were, that we had won the moral argument that um, 
that 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 Anna just came in and, and we're putting the, our headphones on. So uh, Anna oh, Anna has joined us, Bob. And and by the way, hi Anna, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. And you? Very good, thank you. Um, we are going to have I can't tell you how many happy listeners I've, I've gotten so many emails about some sound quality issues that we've had, and we solved it tonight. The, we, uh, and and for, for the people who have been on my case all this time, and by the way, Ben has worked extra overtime to try to um, clear up some of the problems that we had. Uh, just people should know that my Skype audio from my end was coming out of your computer speakers on your end causing this feedback and just you know amazing um, amazing noise and just all sorts of things that you know put ben to work you know for, for quite a while and well, we finally you, came ben. up with a solution headphones head, headphones <laughs> i'm not it, coming so out of your speakers and, it's, and it's better it's better now oh yeah yeah, because I, I, okay. I could hear it in the past, and uh, gosh, it's something simple like that, but I've gotten so many emails from people saying, you know, I've listened to you for so many years, and da-da-da-da, but, you know, lately, and, and we thought it's this program in the computer, and Ben's messing around with a million different things, and it turns out like, hey, shut me off from your computer and put on <laughs> headphones. and. <laughs> well, there you go. We solved the problem. But anyway, so I think what's happened is that the the welfareists have, you know, finally figured out they've lost the moral argument. They don't really have anything to, you know, when when you say to them, well, you know, if you had a human rights violation, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't be arguing in favor of more humane slavery or more humane rape or more humane pedophilia or more humane, you know, whatever. Um, And they don't really have an answer to that. And I I think they finally figured out they don't have a good answer to that. Their argument is speciesist on that level. But their fallback argument is that they're that they're being more effective, that that, that this is a question of effectiveness and they're being more effective by promoting whatever it is they're promoting, you know, that the the welfare reform uh, uh, approach may be immoral in that it's advocating exploitation, as you just pointed out a few minutes ago, Bob, but it's effective in that it will lead to the end of animal exploitation. But I mean, again, there is no proof of that whatsoever, and it goes against common sense. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense at all that you would that you would say to people, let's make exploitation more humane, and that that's going to get people to want to abolish animal exploitation. It just makes no sense whatsoever. So, so we're dealing with it now on the level I, of I effect. Love, I love that slug line, though. It's like, what, what a great claim to make, that immoral but effective. Yeah, that's right. But, Bob, it's, 2000, it's 2017, and a lot of people don't give a damn about um, morality anymore. Um, you know, I mean, I mean they, they don't... They're more they're 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 pragmatic. Pragmatic. Um, or, I've heard that too. I've there have yeah. been complaints to me that I'm not pragmatic. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 they're they're quote pragmatic end quote. The thing is, is that there is nothing. We're getting some music. Where are we getting? Are we getting music? Oh, you're getting music. Okay. Okay. okay I don't okay. hear any music. But. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We shut it off. We shut it off. Um, that that it's more pragmatic, and that we're and and and, and, and that they're what they're doing is more effective. 
Yes, there may be moral problems with it. Yes, we, th they may be promoting humane exploitation, whereas we wouldn't be promoting hum humane exploitation if if human rights were involved, we would find that morally obnoxious. But where animals are involved, yes, it may be immoral, but it's it's effective. And a lot of people say, look, I don't really care. You know, the morality of it doesn't really, you know, that that's that's sort of, you know, that's that's intellectual stuff. Let me worry about the what's what's effective. What what's gonna really end this? And the answer is it ain't gonna be welfare reform. It's not gonna be single issue campaigns. So I mean this idea that they've got that they've figured out the 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 answer. I mean, now you're hearing this all the time now. The, this business that you know it's effective. We're doing the effective thing, and the answer is no. You're not. You're not doing it's. What you're doing is immoral, and it's also not effective. It wouldn't be right even if it were effective, but it's not. I've often said, you know, I, I over the years I remember, um, you know, uh, uh, being at various in various venues and giving talks on animal rights and having people say to me, you know, but, but, you know, would you support animal exploit, uh, uh, the welfare reform approach if it were effective? And I said, no, I wouldn't because it would still be immoral, but at least I would understand why you supported it. What I don't understand is why you support it because it's both immoral and not effective. And as I say, I and, think. And do they well, say why it's effective, though? I mean, what's yeah? The... Well, well, yeah, they're they're. They, I mean, now in the past couple of years, they have tried to come up with empirical evidence, and it's actually comical. I don't know if you have you ever have you ever read this nonsense that that uh, the guy from the Humane League writes. Um, it 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 is it's appall. I mean, it, it's appalling stuff. And he basically what he does is he 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 takes. He takes uh, studies not having anything to do with animal, with the animal context, and he says, "Well, you know, if you ask people to 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 do to do um, you know uh, uh, less, they'll want to do more. You know, like if you if you if you introduce them to something gradually, they'll 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 want to do you know the, then they'll do more. Um, but there are also studies that say that you know if you if you if you give people the bottom line." They'll do more, um, you know. So, in other words, if you don't hide the bottom line from them, they'll do more. But, but the the, the thing is, is that the, the the studies that he cites are from contexts which are simply not applicable. The the situation of animal exploitation is very much like the situation of uh, of human slavery. It wasn't a matter of it's not a matter of discriminatory conduct conduct it's a matter of excluding animals from the moral community altogether the way slaves were excluded from the moral community altogether and and so they so it's a human supremacist attitude well yeah i mean it, it really it really i mean it's appalling i mean i, I it's it's really sort of silly and and um it, it's sort of silly and i don't understand why anybody takes it seriously i mean the the um you, you refer to the humane league that's the same humane league that received a million dollars uh in donations to promote yeah. free eggs yeah yeah yeah. Eggs, right? so, yeah absolutely I mean, absolutely and see and see you know their their view is is that the empirical evidence says that if people eat cage-free eggs they eventually will not eat eggs which is just which is just just doesn't make any sense um you know and there's no there's no there's absolutely no empirical proof none whatsoever that that people who eat cage-free eggs are going to stop eating eggs. If anything, 
you know, if anything, they're people... happier to eat eggs. Then they right, feel exactly, good about it. So exactly. Why, I mean, this is, the, this is the thing. It's just so it's so counterintuitive. And and the supposedly empirical evidence that these clowns produce doesn't it doesn't show any of what they say it shows. I mean, I think I told you I think I told you there was that study which was a which itself was appalling. At least it was like it was it was a it was it was a arguably um, uh, uh, min- minimally okay study, although I think it was sort of silly. It was a case, it was a, a situation in which these these researchers found that over a period of time, the amount of of animal animals consumed went up, but it didn't go up as quickly as they thought it would go up. And they attributed this they attributed this to to um, uh, animal welfare uh, campaign. An, an, animal welfare campaign. And and I think I, I think I've mentioned before that I heard that I heard the guy from the Humane League and uh, and what's his name from uh, for Bruce Friedrich. I, they were basically they were they were at the animal rights conference in 2013 and they were telling everybody that billions of animals were saved um, as a result of these these animal welfare campaigns, which slowed the increase in animal exploitation and consumption of animals. It was appalling. I mean, I, I was I was stunned that they were making such representations. And it was sad because people and were saying, you know, inc- the increase was positive to them. It's still well, right. So it's an in- yeah, well, it's increase. Right. So, right. so the, the increase was slowed a little bit, but it's still yeah, an increase. In- it's celebrating it, an increase. But 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 what's more troubling is the researchers who, who I mean, you know, I, I the researchers um, who obviously want to promote a welfareist position um, say that well, it could be animal welfare campaigns that are responsible for the slowed increase. It could also be lots of other things which are far more likely, like economic, economic. In, in other words, the consumption may have gone up, but not as quickly as it was projected to go up, or one would have expected it to go up because of increases in price, or or problems with the economy as a general matter, or anything. I mean, all sorts of things. I mean, it's in other, in other words, there were so many factors that you couldn't you couldn't control for and to say that well it might be and it might be the the presence of welfare campaigns that that slowed the increase it might also have been economic situ- it's probably more likely that it was economic situations and economic I think it was the russians i think it's yeah the exactly russians. it could have been it could have been it could have been yes it could have been russians hacking it into the, the systems i i believe yeah. as a matter of fact i posted something on my on my facebook page today and i said welfareists anything that you see that you don't like on this page is not my fault. The Russians have hacked in and they put it there. And, um, yeah. and so, so, you know, uh, but that's the sort of thing that they're, that they're running around with now. They're saying, well, empirical studies show that welfare campaigns are saving the lives of billions of animals. That is just nonsense. And, you know, and I mean, the question is, I don't really know whether these people believe it, um, or not, I really don't know. It's hard for me to believe that they believe it. I, I don't want to attribute insincerity to them, but um, it, it's very difficult for me to believe that, even though it's very clear to me that Nick Cooney knows nothing about statistics, um, you know, it, it's hard for me to believe that he believes 
the nonsense that he spouts. Um, you know, I mean, it fits very comfortably with the welfareism and single issue campaign and rejection of veganism as a moral baseline that he pushes. Um, and so, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to say that the guy is insincere, um, but it's hard for me to believe that he could, I, I, I mean, I, I, I've heard him, I, I heard him say things at that conference that were, um, breathtakingly silly. And, um, and well, I, I, one's, one's credibility at research is greatly da uh, damaged by a million dollar donation to promote cage free eggs. You know, I mean, it's really hard to take, uh, you know, statistics seriously from somebody who just took a million dollars to promote cage free eggs. I mean, is he going to come? Well, that's right. I mean, he's, he's got, he's got a, you know, look, he's got a, he's these folks who are, who are pushing this effective, you know, the welfareism is effective nonsense are people who are, who are benefiting financially greatly from it. Um, there's no doubt about that. And so they've got, they've got a, a, a conflict of interest as it were, but you know, the, the claims they're making are, are not even close and they're just silly. And, and you know, but a lot of animal people, um, who, who, you know, uh, who, a lot of animal people, unfortunately will believe them. And so, you know, they can go to places like, uh, the Hershaft, uh, so-called animal rights, non-animal rights, um, conference that he has and tell people, Oh, we're doing great, and you know, and 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 don't worry about whether it's moral or immoral. That's that's what pointy-headed intellectuals worry about. We just worry about ending it. We want to stop the suffering. We want to be effective, and animal welfare is effective. Thank you. Give us your donation, and people will do that. You know, people will give them the donation. So you know, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. It's a business. We don't look. Uh, as I as I said to somebody on the Facebook page this week. Um, you mistakenly think you mistakenly think we have this a social justice movement for animals called the animal movement. We don't. We have a bunch of charities which are businesses. They're all competing for the same dollars, and they're all basically rushing to the bottom to try to sort of keep the donor pools as broad as as deep as possible. And what they're doing is they're basically telling people whatever they want to hear, so that they give them their donation. And you know, there's 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 nothing. Look. Think about it. Think about it just from a let, let's think about it from a purely effective stra strategy uh, uh, point of view in terms of fundraising. You've got people who care about animals and who are troubled by the way animals are being treated and used. And you tell them you can keep eating them. You don't have to go vegan. If you eat cage free eggs, if you eat crate free pork, if you do meatless Monday, if you do, you know, veganuary, if you do all of these nonsense gimmicks. If you do these things, you're discharging your, you know, if you, if you're a reducitarian, you're discharging your moral obligations to animals. You tell them that and then say, okay, thank you. And here's our donate button. What you've got is people who are grateful because you've just told them that they don't have to, they don't have to do anything. Basically that, you know, if they, if they don't eat meat on Monday, they can just ramp up on the cheese and eggs and, and, you know, and, and they're animal and, and people. Dub, and double up on, t on the meat on Tuesday too. Right. Exactly. Way, so. Exactly. And it, it's, you know, and it's, so it's, it's, it, you know, it, and, and you give us your donation. They give you, you know, I mean, people will give, people will pay. Look, the Catholic church figured that out in the, in the medieval, you know, in the, in the middle ages, sell indulgences. Somebody figured out that was a great way to make money. And, and, um, 
you know, and it's the same thing, you know, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, people have been giving money to religions forever who do really terrible things because basically, you know, they get absolved as it were, um, from what, for what they do. It's the same thing with these animal groups. It's the same darn thing with these animal groups. Um, you know, doing exactly what the, um, uh, animal product producers have been doing for for decades in that if you look at packaging on animal products they've got um often a picture of you know the farmyard the the uh, ranch situation the grass fed this that the other that certainly hasn't existed for 75 years if it ever existed at all but um They've done their market research and they've seen what image we want to have so that we're comfortable if we choose to purchase animal um, products. And it's just gone and contaminated the animal welfare um, uh, projects too in that we're reassuring consumers. We're saying, this is, push it this far and that will be okay. And you will be comfortable continuing to eat it. When I stand in my local Whole Foods supermarket and I look at the ever-expanding meat section, and it is expanding, I'm, I'm looking at a bunch of cut-up carcasses. And the corporation that owns that supermarket would like me or the person standing next to me to purchase them. So what have they got? They've got signs behind the counter reassuring me as the potential consumer that it's done with compassion. It's done with concern for the animal. It just says animal-centered and the welfare standards that are being supposedly respected in the production of that animal product. So we're being reassured. This is what you're buying. Yeah. And the, I don't. The re- animals in the refrigerator don't look like they're doing too well, though. Uh, as That's much right. As they, but but, yeah. but you've got a slab of of a dead body, and somebody wants you to buy it, and this is the message that will make you do it. And, it's it's and, so and now, clear what's going on. And now they've got the animal people helping them in That's their marketing, right. and it really is um, it it really is diabolical. But it's what it, it's it's what it is. And and, you know, and this and, and so now you've got you've got, you know, every week I get this email on Friday from Paul Shapiro. I'm on this list. Paul Shapiro of the Humane Society of the United States. And Paul Shapiro is always the the, the emails almost always are talking about how great what they're doing is in terms of of, of getting rid of the abusive situation uh, of, of egg laying hens. You know, so it's it's you know it it, it 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 this this business of promoting cage-free eggs and stuff like that, um, and every week he's telling us you know how great the victories are, and he's 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 he's, he's posting some story from one some magazine or another talking about the revolution in animal welfare, and you know again, I I don't really know if Paul, does Paul really believe that nonsense. And again, I don't want to. I don't want to think of him as insincere, but it's hard for but, me but to a, believe. But a six, fi- a six figure salary can make people believe strange things. I, I don't know what his salary is. 
Um, so I don't know whether he has a six-figure salary or not. I don't know. Um, I, I know a lot of people there do. So. Uh. Well, oh yeah, no, no, I'm sure. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Paul's is, but but um, but so I don't know whether Paul sincerely believes this stuff. But if he does, it's sort of frightening because I I I just I can't. You know, you look at you look at cage-free hens are being tortured. It is a horrible life. It is a horrible life and they all end up in a slaughterhouse anyway. And they have a horrible life while they're living in their cage free facility. I mean, a cage free barn. They're in prison. All the males are ground alive and there's right. just, nobody gets out alive and everybody is tortured. Now, great advocacy. Congratulations. Right. And, and so, but, but now the egg industry has got HSUS and Mercy for Animals and all these, you know, and Animals Australia over and down under and, and Humane Society International all over the place and whatnot, all just, just saying, this is great, this is fantastic, let us help you market these things. And, and, and animal people look at this and they say, well, it may be immoral, but this is effective. This is what's going to get people to go vegan. The answer is, why do you believe that? On what basis can you possibly believe that? The power of the voice of authority, right? I mean, you have the Humane Society of the United States, Wayne Pacelli. It's like people, I don't know, people seem to believe authority, you know, no matter what no, the lies. No, but, no, I think Producers would not be pushing those elements when they're, when they're trying to describe the products they would like you to buy if it wasn't designed to make you buy it, that reassurance wasn't supposed to make you make the purchase. We don't need the animal charities doing that. The meat and dairy and egg suppliers will do that, that because it lures some people into the purchase. We don't need the animal charities doing it. We need them making a true, plain vegan message. And the well, producers the will question is, are they really animal charities, really, when yeah. it comes right down to it? You know, I, well, I, I don't I mean, know who appointed them. I don't know who elected them. They're, they either elected themselves or they've been elected by, by ranchers. You know, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know. So they have, Bob, it's easy. It's easy. For, you form a 501c3. You call yourself, you know, you come up with some catchy title for your name. You develop a mailing list, you trade it with other people, you develop, you know, you get a fundraiser in there and you become an overnight, you can become an authority in a matter of, you know, a, 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 of a brief period of time. And then, you know, you develop, have a website, you got a donate button and you tell people, you po you know, you, 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 you focus on these single issue campaigns that don't require that people change a damn thing about their lives. And most of these single issue campaigns focus on things that most people don't do. So we go after the Chinese and we talk about how bad they are because they eat dogs. And we talk about foie gras, which most people don't eat. Um, we talk about baby seal clubbing baby seals. We talk about, you know, using dogs for fur and all that sort of stuff. You know, we focus on these, 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 what are in certain ways for the for the populations that, that this stuff's being being spouted to, these are fringe issues. And, you know, people can get outraged and they can get angry and they can hate the Chinese and they can hate women who wear fur and they can hate this and they can hate that and they can get angry and self-righteous and all that. They don't have to do a damn thing. They don't have to change their lives at all. And, and so then someone's standing there saying, you know, we're animal people. 
you know, here, you know, let's, 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 let's get upset. Let's hate this group. Let's hate that group. Let's, let's protest against this group. Let's protest against that group. Let's sign a petition against this group. Let's sign a petition against that group. Give us a donation. You don't have to change. People say, fine, here's the money. And you're talking about a bunch of organizations out there that are making a fortune and they're making a fortune by selling the animals out. Now, do, do they know that that's what they're doing? I don't know. You know, it's, I, it's, it's really hard to get inside someone's heart and someone's head. I don't know. I don't know whether Paul Shapiro really believes this stuff. I don't know whether Wayne Purcell really believes this stuff. I, I'm, I'm really not questioning their sincerity. I just think it's, it's, it's crazy. And I do not understand why anybody believes. Anybody believes. If Wayne really believes that this stuff is going to end animal agriculture, then I don't know what to say. Uh, then, then my guess is if he believes that, then um, I don't see why he doesn't believe in the Easter Bunny. Because frankly, you know, <laughs> that's it's a more likely that's a more likely scenario. Um, you know, uh, I, I mean, I guess you know. I mean, well, I don't know. He, he he's just I I just think he's a marketing uh, person for the meat dairy. And egg in this, and and fish and egg industry, you know. Um, with me, I, I was looking at uh, what uh, with the, with the death of Telecom at SeaWorld, I was looking at Wayne, what Wayne wrote some months back when uh, a deal, a partnership was arranged between SeaWorld and uh, the Humane Society of the United States, and Wayne was celebrating that 23 million people annually who attend SeaWorld uh, will now have the option for cage-free eggs, uh, for crate-free pork, and sustainable seafood. So, and, and, and wait, I mean, as, you know, he's making up stuff like as if there were sustainable seafood. And, and why does the leader of an animal protection organization call animals, you know, beings, living beings in the sea, in the oceans, seafood? You know, I mean, it's like... He he sees them as as things, as seafood. You know, like why? Right, you, but but also yeah. HSUS HSUS has its own brand of dolphin safe tuna, which ain't, which ain't <laughs> safe for the tuna. Um, you know, but I mean, I actually I put I put up you know how, how they have the uh, there's that meme with uh, Gene Wilder uh, when he was portraying is it Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, and there's that picture of him with his his hand on his head and he sort of like got this, get this little smile on his face. And, and I put up a meme and I said, so you're all upset about uh, Tillicum, the whale who spent decades in captivity and died at SeaWorld, but you eat sea animals and land animals and dairy and eggs. Your mind must be a Disneyland of confusion. And, um, it, it got, it got a lot of likes. It got a lot of shares. And I had a lot of comments on there that I basically deleted and banned the commenters for making because people got abusive and they got very upset because they thought that, you know, I was just being judgmental by saying that a non-vegan shouldn't really be outraged about what happened to Tillicum. I mean, you know, I, I mean, but, but <laughs> the reality is I can't understand for the life of me how you can be upset about what happened to that poor whale and yet continue to eat sea animals, land animals, dairy, and eggs. I don't understand. Well, I, I, I talked a lot about that in the opening of the show. So if those people who you know who made those comments on your website uh, probably object to a lot of what I was discussing uh, earlier in, in the program. 
I yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, people, people get, you know, people got really upset with me, um, even though it wasn't me who posted that. That was that was actually a poster that was the Russians hacked into my page and they put that <laughs> they put that meme up. But um, <laughs> but people got really upset with me for doing that and and saying that. But I say, I mean, you know, those are the sorts of things I say all the time. Then they get upset all the time. Um, you know, they got the 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 one over the weekend that just got a zillion and a half. Um, uh, uh, comments and hits was the, um, the, the, uh, th- this happened last year as well. Uh, cause, uh, vegan outreach last year and this year put up a meme of, uh, Jack Norris, their, uh, their, uh, I guess, I guess he's the director now, but uh, a poster of Jack Norris said, well, you know, y- y- you're, you're vegan except, you know, you- you'd go vegan except, uh, you can't give up cheese. Well, then, Go vegan and, you know, except for the cheese. And um, and he had a, you know, he said, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And it's so it's basically, well, you know, if you, you know, you want to continue to eat cheese, you can be a vegan and, and, and eat cheese. And the thing is, no, you can't be a vegan and eat cheese. And and more importantly, putting a stamp of approval and saying, well, you know, I mean, go ahead and eat cheese. Well, what if somebody says, you know. I'd go vegan except for, you know, I can't give up chicken. Well, fine, then go vegan except for the chicken or go vegan except for the steak or go vegan except for, you know, it's just so it. But again, again, these are organizations that are businesses. So what vegan outreach, um, you know, calling that organization vegan outreach, you know, is is as accurate to veganism as, you know, as saying that national socialists were socialists, they weren't obviously. Um, and, and, um, and, and so, you know, vegan outreach is a business and they want a, they want a broad donor pool. So they're basically saying they're basically adopting Peter Singer's line that, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with eating animal products. It's just a matter of reducing suffering. As long as you're reducing suffering, um, then, you know, you're doing a great job. You're discharging your moral obligations to animals and that makes people feel good. And, and they continue to consume animal products, but they give vegan outreach and HSUS and mercy for animals and compassion over killing and all these other organizations, um, you know, a donation. And, and that's what it's about. It's a business. It's, it's not a social movement. It's a business. It's not, yeah, you know I'm, what? I'm, I'm I mean, going to have to, I'm going to have to have a talk with my development director here. Our, our policy of seeking the most narrow donor base doesn't seem to be making much sense. Why? Well, you know, I, I mean, I, we have, we have a new, the, the new, the new slogan is the new slogan. You know how, how, how you have direct action everywhere, which rejects veganism as a moral baseline. Um, they say it's not food, it's, it's violence. But if somebody asks them if they should go vegan, their position is, well, they're not going to, they're not going to talk about veganism. They're going to talk about activism, something I've never understood, but you know, they say it's not food, it's violence. My view is with respect to the animal movement, it's not activism, it's business. That's what it is. It's Mm. business. This, this, Mm. these are, these are multi-million dollar businesses. Yeah. Millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Unbelievable. So uh, if if you think about, if you think about all of the time and money that has been spent, on all of these campaigns, I mean, you know, I, I mean, somebody, somebody could probably work this out, at least approximate it, you know, if, to, to see how much money has been spent on these, on, on welfare campaigns um, in, in the United States and Britain and, you know, Western Europe and Australia, New Zealand, et cetera. You could, you could, pro- it would, it's probably a staggering amount of money. 
and consumption of animal products is going up. It ain't going down. Things are getting worse for animals. And, and the only change that's happened is a lot of people now have jobs making money as careerists in the animal movement. That's the only change that's happened. Ha- things have not, have not gotten better for animals. And anybody who believes that is simply wrong. Simply delusional. So, yeah. oh, h- how did that uh, thunderclap uh, campaign oh, work? It, well, uh, oh, thank you, Bob. Thank you for asking. The thunderclap. We had six hundred and sixty thousand messages, and thank you very much for yours. The way uh, people, the, the way thunderclap works is, um, if you sign up for a thunderclap at a particular time, a message will go out to people on your Facebook page, uh, your Facebook friends or, or your, your, uh, into your Twitter feed or your, uh, your, in, your, um, uh, I think it's, it's a, no, Tumblr, Tum, no, Tumblr, Tumblr, your Tumblr feed. And, um, and we had 660,000 messages go out on the first, on the 31st of December at 12 noon, 660 message, thousand messages went out, um, providing the the URL for howdoigovegan.com, our one-stop uh, you know, source of information on all things vegan, where you ain't going to find a donate button. Um, and, um, and, and that information went out. We've, we've been getting steadily, we've been getting a huge increase of traffic to howdoigovegan.com. And, um, and it's, ter- it's great. It's a great way to get a message out. Um, you know, I mean, my guess is after time, you know, as time goes on, people will, you know, tire of thunder, thunderclaps. So it's not clear to me how long, how long that, that sort of thing is gonna, is gonna work, but, um, it can be very, very effective. It was very effective in our, in, in, you know, in, in our, in our case. And, yeah, that um, was the first I've heard of it, I may have to, uh, look, look into it for my for my adventures and stuff. yeah, it was it was the it was the first I it was the first I had heard of it. Uh, one of my moderators, I you know I I am not I'm not good with it. One of my moderators on my on my Facebook page um, suggested it, and I said, well, sure, let's do that. And we got six hundred and sixty thousand um, uh, 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 people at, in a matter of how long? In about a few days, right? I mean, it was just. Uh, four, three or four days. I mean, we got six hundred sixty thousand people. I mean, it was had we had we started it earlier, we would have had well over a million. Um, I mean, I mean, had we started it even a couple of days earlier, we would have had over a million. Um, and so I was just, I was astounded. I was astounded at how well it worked. And you know, it gets the message out. I mean, it gets the message out. I mean, the idea that, um, I mean, it it, it it gets the message out. So, and we had a, we also did a webinar on on um, on the what night was it the thirtieth. It was a Friday. Yeah, it was on the 30th. On Friday the 30th, we had a webinar. And um, and the webinar was at 5 o'clock Eastern, Eastern time. And um, we had 424 people or, you know, whatever, sign up for the webinar and participate in the webinar. And that's just great. You know, I mean, I mean, it, it, it um, again, that was something we didn't give a whole lot of time. We had, I guess we had probably had 10 days, 12 days 
notice for that for people to sign up. But it was it was the 30th, 30th of December at 5 p.m., which meant it was already the 31st of December um, in Australia, in New Zealand. But we had a lot of people. I mean, I, I was I was thinking, I said, well, you know, we're going to do it. Nobody's going to show up because, you know, everyone's going to be, you know, it's the holiday time. It's the week between Christmas and New Year's. We're not going to get a lot of people. So I said, well, you know what the hell, let's do it. You know, if we get 100 people, it's 100 people. We had 424 people. And, and, you know, then the following day we had the thunderclap. So, I mean, look, people are really interested in this. And, and, you know, as I've been saying, um, again and again to you, Bob, you know, the time for abolitionist veganism has come and it's clear people are really into this and, you know, they like the message, they understand the message. And you know what? A lot of people really have felt very dissatisfied with these large animal groups because they've been saying, you know, a lot, the people who come to us and say, you know, we're just so tired, you know, we're so glad we found this this stumbled across this or some you know somebody told us about this or we read something about this um or we we got a thunderclap about this uh because um they have felt really uh, uncomfortable with promoting welfareism you know they have they've they have felt uncomfortable with the idea that what we should be doing is trying to get people to eat cage-free eggs you know or or, or enriched cage eggs and stuff like that so you know Sing every single day without fail. We get messages from people who say, I've been vegetarian for this number of years and I don't understand how it took me so long and I regret that it took me so long. But nobody asked me to go vegan. Nobody told me that I should go vegan. No one explained what I should do. No one gave me that little push. And so with all the messages that come into my mailbox, into Gary's mailbox, from people in that position, they're ready, they're ripe, they just need to have a supportive, encouraging, um, but also clear contact uh, and a, 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 a good message um, given to them. Um, a bit of backup support, like the How Do I Go Vegan um, site. People are ready for this. And every individual can be the educator, can be the motivator, can be the person who pushes their friends, colleagues, and family into a good position of veganism. Well, well hopefully now there are 600,424 people doing just that, getting going vegan and helping others to go vegan. And every time I just, when I hear thunderclap, I just think thunderclap Newman and the song something <laughs> in the air. I said, I sent you the link, that song from the sixties. Oh, and right. then Gary, you brought, you brought me back to my childhood again when we, we were, talking the other day and you mentioned something that was in my wardrobe that would not be in my wardrobe now <laughs> uh that, that's for my my past life but in in those days when i was listening to thunderclap newman and you know being an anti-war hippie or whatever i was um i was wearing a pea coat right yeah yeah pea yeah the, the the what he's referring to is uh i i went to whole foods and to pick up some kale, and um, I bought I bought a dehydrator. Do you know what a dehydrator is, Bob? They're wonderful things. Yeah. And uh -huh. and um, and and I've been making kale chips, and so um, uh, I went to buy some kale, and I'm walking into the store, and there are two people who are arguing outside of the store, two women who are arguing, and one is um, one is wearing a fur coat, and I stopped to observe with what was going on and they were having a very animated discussion. The woman who was wearing, who was wearing a pea coat, 
um, was arguing with the woman wearing uh, the fur about how horrible it was that she was wearing fur. And the woman turned to me, the woman who was wearing the, the non-fur coat turned to me and said, um, you know, she said, I just, I'm arguing with her. I just cannot understand why she's wearing this fur coat. It's horrible and blah, blah, blah. And I said, um, well, wh what is, what is your coat made out of? And, and she said, it's wool. And I said, well, can't she say the same thing to you? And she said, no, it's not the same thing. And proceeded to hand me, um, uh, a pamphlet or, a, uh, yeah, I guess it was a pamphlet about fur farms. And she said, you obviously don't know about fur farms. And I said, well, actually I, I do know a little bit about that. And, um, and I said, but you obviously don't know anything about wool production. And we got into a discussion and she of course was not a vegan, was a vegetarian, but not a vegan. But this is exactly what these large organizations are producing in terms of advocates, people who, who can't think their way out of a paper bag. I mean, and the, the coat that Bob is, is referring to is a pea coat. It's a wool, it's like a sort of a, a heavy blue wool coat. I had one, yeah, Bob. dark blue, I think a navy, yeah. I think it's like yeah. a navy, you get it in an army, navy yeah, store. It, it, Everybody yeah. had one back in the our, late our, 60s, yeah, we, And we all bought, yeah, we all bought them at the army navy store. And, yeah. um, you know, and they had they had little sailor buttons. They had buttons with little anchors on them, right? Yeah. I mean, you remember that, Bob? Uh -huh. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh -huh. and and so, um, uh, you know, and, and we all had that sort of stuff back then. We had I mean, that. I, we we wore bell bottoms. I we had love bottoms. beads and uh... yeah, love beads. and I, I remember I had I had fringed I had. I had I had a suede fringe jacket, you know, that like 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 the Dennis yeah. Hopper wore in, in Easy Rider, and um, mm -hmm. and and we all had that stuff. And so, you know, I, but it was very interesting because she obviously did not know. I mean, she was she's standing there wearing a wool coat, arguing with somebody wearing a fur. And, and you know, and remember something, you know, if you scrape off the fur, uh, if you scrape off the hair, the, the, the thing the thing to which the hair is attached is leather. And so, you know, people are wearing that all the time and no one's saying anything about that. Um, but, you know, this is the, what we've done is we've produced a movement of people who run around yelling at people wearing fur coats while they're wearing wool, while they're wearing leather. And, you know, they think that there's some sort of moral distinction. The answer is there's, they're not, which is why I keep telling people the best thing to do is advocate for veganism as a moral principle, as a moral baseline, because you know what? Vegans don't wear wool. They don't wear leather. They don't wear fur. They don't go to SeaWorld. They don't go to circuses. They don't go to zoos. You know, mm. you don't have to fight these things on an individual. Vegans don't do that stuff. Yeah. So I think when we were talking last week, when we were talking about the P code, I mean, I think you mentioned, uh, which I thought was uh, was a good thought, that really anything less than vegan is arbitrary. Mm. It's completely arbitrary. There, you can't. Look, it, you can't sort – the moment you're talking about a particular use of animals as things and you're not rejecting all uses of animals as things, you're simply drawing an arbitrary line. And you see, the reason why this is not only the morally better thing to do but the more effective thing to do as a practical matter is when you are – when you're – when you're doing these single issue campaigns, you're going after people and focusing them on particular uses of animals, none of which are engaged in or supported by people who are vegans. So if you really want to, if you really want to get rid of all the, you're, you're not going to get people 
to go vegan by focusing them on fur. You will get people to stop wearing fur if they become vegans. If they stop eating animals, then they stop wearing them, they stop using. I mean, if you convince somebody that it's immoral to eat them, you change their entire lives in terms of, I mean, you know, people, people who get this, the most important thing is eating. It's certainly not the, it's certainly not the only thing that veganism is about, but nothing changes until you stop eating them. Once you stop eating them, everything changes. You look and at the world so, totally differently. Oh, yeah. yeah. You look at the world, you look at, and you, you, that change in your perception doesn't happen until you stop sticking them in your mouth. As long as you're sticking them in your mouth, whatever else you do. I have never in my life met anybody who went vegan by first doing something else, basically, you know, in terms of, I mean, sometimes people will, will be unaware of the issue. Then they'll get into the issue in a, in, in, because they're attracted to some sort of single issue camp. And then they, then they get educated and they say, oh yes, the light goes on. But, but that's not because the single issue campaign got them to go vegan. It's because those people would have gone vegan sooner if they were exposed to the right ideas. These are just, these are people who got sort of badly educated, but nevertheless got to the right point. But, but this is the thing that really is important for people to understand. Vegans don't do all these other things. So why have a campaign against SeaWorld? Who the hell cares? I mean, you know, SeaWorld should should close down. But what are we focusing people on SeaWorld for? I mean, what the what the, if somebody's if somebody's protesting about SeaWorld while they're stuffing their face with dairy and eggs and and meat and fish? What are we what are we talking about here? I mean, right. SeaWorld is SeaWorld is is meaningless in the grand scheme of things. We're killing 60 billion, 60 billion land animals a year for food and an estimated trillion sea animals. Those things are going into our mouths. As long as that's happening, nothing is going to change. So that's and, why. Uh, and, and how many tilicums and, and orcas are caught? In the big nets, you know, for people who are eating fish, they all the everything. Everybody's getting caught in those big nets, and of course, nobody in the nets has a name like Tilikum, you know. And, right. You know, I mean, we they don't have, think of I mean, them as like, individuals. Like, but. You know, it's like it's like the you know, it, it, it's like remember, remember the dentist who killed Cecil the lion or Cecil the lion. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, should the guy have killed Cecil the lion? The answer is no. But people who eat animals are busy complaining about the dentist who killed Cecil the lion. And it's like, what are we talking about here? What, what are we, what are we talking about here? And this is the thing that, that, that folks don't. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you when that happened, I put up a, I put up a poster and, and, you know, you know, something along the lines of, you know, you care about Cecil the lion, but you're not vegan. Tell me how that works or whatever. The, the nasty emails that I got, the, you know, the comments on the Facebook page that I, you know, that I had to take off, really abusive, calling me all sorts of names. I had Paul Watson of the Sea Shepherd got was very angry that, you know, that the purists were out there talking about how, 
you know, if you if you were concerned about, uh, uh, you know, about uh, I believe I believe Watson was was excoriating us about the Cecil thing. I'm pretty sure it was about Cecil. But it was basically this idea that, you know, the purists are out there. And the answer is not. It's not a question of the purists. It's the consistent people are out there in saying that if you're concerned about the killing of this lion or this whale or if you're concerned about, you know, the Japanese, uh, what they're doing, you know, in in in. Um, when they have that dolphin slaughter every year, um, you know, the, the Taiji dolphin slaughter, which is horrible. But I mean, so, so what? I mean, I mean, yeah, it's terrible what they're doing, but when you get people who are like eating chickens, um, or eating fish or eating cows or eating pigs or eating whatever the hell they're eating, um, or dairy or eggs, and they're upset about what the Japanese are doing. As far as I'm concerned, that's idiocy. That just makes no sense whatsoever. If you're concerned, yeah, the Japanese shouldn't be slaughtering dolphins and the Chinese should not be eating dogs and you shouldn't be eating cows, pigs, chickens, fish, eggs, dairy, etc. And so, you know, but but this is what this is what the movement has spawned. And it, that's why I say it's not a movement. It's a bunch of businesses that are. But, but going uh, vegan, going vegan gives you license to complain. See, that's the good thing. You're allowed. Once once you go vegan, then you're allowed to complain about all these. Other ah, things but see, because... once, once you go vegan, though, all you want to do is get more people to go vegan. And yeah. and so, you know, and I, I tell you, you know what? I'm, yeah, I'm a vegan for 30 some odd years. And I don't I still don't pursue single issue campaigns because I'm a vegan, because I realize those things. First of all, they're immoral. Secondly, they don't work. Um, what works is getting people to go vegan because people who go vegan and who go vegan for the right reasons, you know, people who go vegan because it's a matter of justice, their whole lives change and they don't patronize anything having to do with animals anymore. They're not, you know, you, they're not having arguments with people about fur coats while they're wearing wool. They don't buy wool. They see the logic of it immediately. And that's right. what we need so to do. Stopping, stopping the use of animals uh, for all purposes. So Exactly. 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 Don't, don't eat. Don't eat. Don't wear them. Don't experiment on them. Don't use them for entertainment. Just uh, be vegan and you're kind of not doing any of that stuff. So Exactly. Uh, exactly. That's the plan. Well, I have uh, somebody over here. Uh, Somebody who wants me to uh, walk around uh, the the wet streets of Northern California right now. So uh, good, take her, take her, take her on her walk because we can't take we we couldn't take ours out today because we've got snow and ice all over the place. It's horrible. I hate this weather, but um, yeah. we've had we've had some rainstorms, but we've been uh, we've been timing it just right to try to get walk between the raindrops. So. Which yeah, you okay. have rainstorms. Oh, poor you. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next week, Bob. Okay. Great talking to you again, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Gary, for being with us today. Thank you, Bob. As usual. Okay. And uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate your being here with us. And uh, we do have a donate button at GoVeganRadio.com. And uh, as I just learned uh you know, I, I I have to talk to the development director. Oh, I don't have a development director. Okay, well, I have to talk to myself about our uh, our our narrow approach, uh, our <laughs> our narrow base of uh, donors. And uh, so, if you want to uh, support vegan education and vegan activism, there is a donate button at goveganradio.com. Thanks for listening.